Hello and welcome to the Hoff Podcast. I'm Daniel Turner, the pastor of the Tyler House of Faith. We take these messages from our weekly services and then release them here on our podcast channel for you. We hope you dig it. So today as we start, I had this impression, right? Um, even sitting through worship today and um, in the shower this morning, I had this concept coming to my mind that... Um, that God can do things so incredibly quickly and with such, with such force, really, and power behind the shiftings and the movings of God um, in your life. And things can change so quickly in a profound way in Him. And, and, and when He is doing things in and through you on your behalf, um, the difference is sometimes... We feel like we're waiting on Him. But in reality, we are learning to be positioned in Him and trusting Him in all things. And I had this thought of, you know, when I was a kid, you know, I grew up on the coast, on the East Coast. And so we had access to the beach ever since I was a baby. And it was just a short drive, you know, 15, 20 minutes or so. Play Linda Beach is the beach I grew up off of. And and um, we would go there, you know, pretty regularly in Florida. So it was basically summer and spring all year long, right? You know what I mean? Didn't get cold like it does here. But I remember learning to boogie board and surf is just kind of like a normal thing. But my dad was a surfer ever since like the 60s and 70s. And so he kind of would get in the water and help teach me as I kind of got older. But like when you're learning to surf, you basically ride the white water of the waves, basically. Like, you know, your wave comes up in a swell, like a heap of water on the East Coast, and it peaks, and then it crashes and turns into white water and, and kind of pushes into the, into the sand or whatever. And anyways, when the waves were good, a lot of times you would, you would ride the white water, so you wouldn't catch the main part of the wave, you'd just catch the second half of it and, and kind of let it push you in and if you're a little kid it has enough force to push you around on the east coast but the real way to do it is to catch the actual wave not the after effect of the white water and so when my dad would teach me as a kid he would he would walk out there with me and hold like one of the bottom fins or the back of the surfboard and stand out there you know it'd be pretty deep to me it'd be like chest deep to him he's you know really tall and would hold the back of the board and would not let me catch the wave as I wanted to catch it. He would let me catch it to where, I, to where the swell would get all the way up to the top and then he would push me into it. And it was so scary as a kid because you think you're coming down like a, you know, 15 feet, which is really like a three foot wave, which is, could be pretty big. But like he would, he would so time it. He, one, he would pull me out deeper than I was comfortable going because um, he couldn't just catch the safe white water, you know. Uh, he'd pull you out deeper, and two, he would hold on to it until you floated up all the way to the very top, the peak of the wave, and then he would let go to where you had a which is really the fun way to do it, you know what I mean? But when you're first learning, it's scary. And so sometimes I've, I've had this analogy, I had this picture in my mind, and sometimes we really felt, we feel held back in life by something, even when we're actually walking with the Lord. And... Um, we see where we're wanting to go. We're seeing, maybe it's even the promises of God and the things that He has for us. And we're wanting to jump in, but we feel kind of like time is being delayed or we're being, held, we're being held back. But if we find ourselves being obedient to the voice of the Lord, you know, and following Him in all things, a lot of what feels like being held back is literally God waiting for the timing to release us at the peak of the actual wave so that the force of that wave can carry us as far as we want to go. Because when you catch the white water, you catch it for a few feet, and it's, uh, you know, all the European people are like sunburnt in Florida. You know what I mean? The tourists, they're all there catching white water. They're not going very far. You know, that's how you knew, like, oh, they're from out of town. You know, they're from uh, all the Yanks. All the Northerners are up there paddling around. Yeah, they're them sunburnt Northerners. Them Yanks, they're from out of town. They're catching that white water, you know. Uh, but, you know, as you kind of learn to catch that peak, you learn to catch the backside of that wave. You realize you go back further out there, and that thing can push you all the way to the shore if you really want to ride it that far, you know. 
Uh, and so there, there's something to the positioning of God and the timing of God. Like, yeah, the force is there, the power is there to actually do something very powerful and very quick, quick and to even move you forward very quickly. But the key of it a lot of time is the timing and actually being learning to be at rest with Dad where he has you in the here and now. Learning to, what does it say, uh, like in Colossians 4 and Ephesians 4, like uh, this, this, this mentality, Colossians 4, 5, like of having your head lifted up, you know. Have, walking circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. These, these terminologies, walking with this perspective that sees things from a heavenly perspective, and when you do this, you're able to redeem the time that you're in is actually very valuable. Instead of looking forward and, and always living in the future for what you want to happen and striving for it, being faithful to walking in the here and now with the Good Shepherd. Because in reality, in doing that, that faithfulness in the here and now unlocks where we're wanting to go and where He has for us to go. You know, And this is... I love some of the songs that they were singing, even some of those concepts about, they sang the, the old song about not being a slave to fear, you know. And it's very true in, in almost every movement of our life and every f place that we find ourselves in, you can almost always draw a line in the sand to two different mentalities, one being fear and one being faith. And faith is this reality that we are led of the goodness of our, of our God and Father who's a good shepherd and He has plans and purposes for us. And then there's fear that maybe I'm the one that He forgot about and I'm going to have to do this in my own strength and make it work because I have a forecast of evil that's going to befall me. And, you know, it says in Romans 8.14 that these are the sons of God who are led of the Spirit of God. Those who are truly the sons, the huios, the, the mature sons and daughters, the family of the king, are the ones whose lives are led of the Spirit of God. And to really draw that line in the sand is to say, like, look, man, we can't be led of faith by the Spirit of God and led of fear. Somebody has to have the steering wheel. You know what I mean? And we're always, it's like almost every decision we have in our posture is to decide which Who's going to lead life? And, and, and fear is that I'm going to lead it. I'm going to forecast. I'm going to study. I'm going to look. And I'm going to plan. And I'm going to hope for the best. But I'm expecting the worst. You know? Whereas faith is like, I'm going to trust in you. I'm going to be faithful with everything, every issue of my heart. Every opportunity that you have for me in this little circle of life that I find myself in, in the here and now, in the present. And I'm going to understand the mission of heaven, which is to be fruitful and multiply, that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth, in the here and in the now, through my life. And I'm going to choose to align with that reality. And trust that if I seek that reality, which is the reality of the kingdom, that Matthew 6.33, that Luke 12.31, what you said, that if I seek this way of thinking, believing, aligning first in all things, that everything that I need, that will be added unto me. You know? And it's two different ball games. It's two different realities. One is kind of like working and striving from a place of lack and hustle. And the other one is sometimes I don't know how this is going to work out, but I know my heart is to be found fully in alignment in you and so that I know that it will and I can be at peace and at rest sowing the seeds of life into those that are around me into the situations that I find myself in into the issues of heart that you're bringing up and understanding you're the one who's going to work everything out as I move forward and it's two different ways of thinking you know I don't do series much but I found I find myself even this past what was it two weeks ago was was Pentecost so we're talking about the the basic reality of what Christianity is comes with this baptism that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this, this, these beautiful words of the Lord Jesus that he was telling his disciples in like John 16, 7, like it is, it is to your advantage that I go away. Like it's going to be better for you guys, even the 12, 
Ended up being 11 at that point, right after that. But it's like, even, you, even my small group, it's even better that I go away than, I, than for me to actually be here with you guys all the time. Which is just my, like, how can that possibly be better? You know what I mean? But it's because he understood the gift of the Father, the, the gift that his spirit was going to come. He said, I won't leave you orphans. He said all these parabolic, interesting things that they fully didn't grasp. And honestly, I don't think people still grasp to this day, you know. But he's like, John 14, he's like, the Father is going to give you another helper, the helper, the spirit of truth, and he's going to lead you into all truth. And it's like, ooh, all these scriptures about him being the shepherd of Israel, you know what I mean, that, that, that Israel himself called God my shepherd, you know what I'm saying, and for, for my entire life, you know, that David called him the Lord, Jehovah is my shepherd, the one whom I follow in all my life, doesn't matter where I'm at, the green grass or the valley of the shadow of death, like when I'm following him, everything is good. And I'm assured, no matter where I'm at, that surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Like, I'm so convinced that no matter what it looks like, even if I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, it doesn't matter what the matrix is playing in front of me right now, the simulation of this plastic world, it really doesn't matter, because I know that the shepherd's staff is with me if I'm following him. It's a different game. I refuse to live by faith, by fear, sorry. I refuse to be afraid. He, he puts a table in front of me in the presence of my enemies. People that wanted to cut David's head off, he's like, he puts a table and I sit down, I take my armor, I take my weapons off, and I eat right around them. I don't hide under a, a little, you know, a box or in the basement or whatever. It's like the, the, the siren's not going off. I can sit down complete vulnerable and not even look at the enemy because I'm so overwhelmed with the authority that is putting food in front of me. And I'm assured that goodness and mercy is going to follow me for the, for the entirety of my life. See, this is all, this is, you know, who, whoever you want to talk, Joe Dispenza and uh, all these guys that are really great, tapping into great stuff. And what is uh, the big, really big guy with the big hands and the big smile? Uh, Tony Robbins, the deep voice. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, you know, these guys, they talk about, but it's like, there's this assurance that a lot of these people seem to have. And, and that David stepped into because of his faith in God that was like, I'm so certain that goodness and mercy is going to, they're going to actually pursue me. They're going to follow me all of my life. I'm never going to be hunting for that stuff. It is going to be hunting for me. And it's like, hey, well, don't you understand? The end times are coming, brother, mark of the beast. Like, yeah, no, I don't. I think there's something higher here in the New Covenant Scriptures. The Psalm 91, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, plagues won't even touch your household. You know what I'm saying? Pestilence that stalks in the darkness. A thousand by your side, ten thousand at your right hand. There's something to truly abiding in God between the ears, in the heart and soul, and in our life that puts us in an indestructible way. That we're also, we're also suspicious. Even if I walk through the valley of shadow, I'm suspicious. But I know goodness and mercy are following me out here. They're creeping around out here looking for me out here. I'm out here, but you're in, you're in the dark zone, brother. You know, it's warfare. It's like, nah, it's, it's, a, tra- it's a trick. God's doing something different now. He's got something good in this. Imagine being that suspicious and hopeful all the time. You know what I'm saying? Imagine, you know, let's study apologetics today, brethren. You know what I'm saying? Always be at, you know, always be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. It doesn't sound like a debating, you know, why you believe in Christ, brother. You know, it sounds more like you you have to give an account for the reason that you're so hopeful. That's what that sounds like to me. As somebody who reads it, very simple. Who's also well-educated. But it's just like, it's like, dude, like, always be ready to give an account. Like, people should recognize, like, you are so incredibly hopeful you have a different outlook. You should be held accountable. Like, you need to answer for that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it sounds like when go and make disciples means people should actually want what we've got, what we're living in. And we don't have to resort to fear. Join my club or you go to hell. I guess I'll join it. I don't want to burn forever. (laughs) You know what I mean? It should be like more like they want what we actually have. Sounds like a different game. Sounds like gospel is actually good news. Yeah. Imagine that. I mean, it's just like he'll give you another help of the spirit of truth. What did we do Ephesians last week? It was... um, 
He ascended. The Acts 1-8 ascent. Yeah. He led captivity captive. Which is like he actually went and took captives of the captive. He released all the captives taken by the enemy. Made a big show of it. And he gave gifts to men. The, the very spirit of God and these supernatural spiritual giftings which are throughout our entire Bible. Select few in the old but everybody in the New Testament gifted spiritually now in order to demonstrate the reality of the recovery of all things and bring in the harvest, which is known as everybody we run into, pointing them to the goodness of their father and our father. You know, And I love that. I love John 14. I love the whole thing, man. And we like some of these things that he says. He's going to give you the helper. He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also and even greater than these. It's like, hey, listen, people that really step to the reality of this belief will literally live, Jesus saying this, like me. This weird and crazy stuff that I did that blew you guys' mind for a long time. It's like, yeah, like, you're all going to do this stuff. And I'm not even limiting you to this stuff because you'll do even greater stuff than this. It's like, what? How can you talk like that? Because that's what this thing was about. Whatever you ask in my name, those things I will do. The Father will be glorified in the Son. Ask any, anything in my name. That's like according to my true essence, the true essence of God. If you understand the study of the name in the Old Testament. We've done a lot of that stuff, so I'm not going to just overteach too much. Um, he will give you the helper. That he may abide with you forever. Yeah. Not just get you to heaven when you die. Like this is this is an all-time thing. Yeah. So wait, like we'll be in in the eternal like, like in heaven and we'll still have we'll be with the Lord, but we'll also have the Lord within us somehow. Like, yeah, that's kind of what he said. Not kinda it is. Yeah. He goes, I won't leave you orphans. It's like, hey Jesus, you're kind of sounding like you're our dad at the same time as being... That's kind of strange. They didn't understand a lot of these things. A little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live. You will live also. Listen to this one right here. This is, that's 19. Verse 20, I think, is a great place for us to really hammer home today. John 14, verse 20. He's prophesying to them what's going to happen in Acts. He's prophesying to them the, the reality of New Covenant Christianity. He's prophesying to them... When you, you don't understand, this, the Spirit comes upon the prophets. He came upon the judges and they do awesome, mighty, wild things and beat a bunch of people up and the, and the prophets and they'd prophesy and they'd say all these different things and they'd go in and out of different realms. And it was just crazy. They'd come into heaven. They'd be pulled into heaven. They'd be pulled into the spirit realm, which is also known as the second heaven. They'd have all these experiences. But I'm telling you guys, um, this is going to be with you full time. This new covenant, that's Christianity. And um, at that day, John 14, 20, at that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you are in me and I'm in you. That's one of the most important verses. They really all are, but it's one of the most important verses, I think, for our time, um, for the world. He's telling them something, these Jewish guys, that have come out of this sacrificial system, this religious system, this temple, which used to be a tent, a tabernacle. The only the high, the priests the priests could go and minister into that in, inside of it, but they had to to sanctify the whole inside of this tent. Um, they had angels and palm trees and all these beautiful things sewn into the very fabrics and into the walls of these temples that they had built ever since the tabernacle and all the way into the beautiful one of Solomon destroyed. Now they had kind of rebuilt it in his day and there was one there. And, and, but then there was the holiest place that only the high priest could go in and only one day out of the year could he go in there. And that was the only place in the world where heaven and earth touched. And he had to go through so much sacrificial ritualistic things in order to even get back there and pay or atone for the sins of the year for the people and all these beautiful things. And it was just like, wow, what an honor whoever is the high priest in that season of time, in that year, that can actually go back there. But now he's saying something different about that 
the very specific holy place. He's saying now you're inside of that place and that place is inside of you. That's the ultimate finish line. That is heaven on earth. That is the presence of God. That is being with God. That is God being with you. That is the most ultimate place in the entire world. The ark that used to sit into that place, they would bring it out in their military campaigns. The ark by itself in the days of Samuel traveled around miraculously and defeated Philistine countries by itself without the, the Israeli army. <laughs> you know what I mean? This place is magic to them. It's just like, don't get hung up on the word magic. I don't mean witchcraft and sorcery. It's, this place is this profound, mystical, it's magical. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, but we're, we're Americans. Eh? But, um, but it's, 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 it's this brilliant, incredible place that's saturated with God, this box that's there that's got Aaron's rod that budded in it and all this stuff, you know what I mean? The Ten Commandments, you know? It's, it's like this place is now on the inside of you. There's no rituals to get in there, guys. You know? There's, there's no more work you can do to be acceptable and to be pleasing to God. You might as well be all the way in there. Like when Isaiah found himself all the way in there, in the real one, in actual heaven, when he got pulled into that heavenly room, he started freaking out, man. I'm a man of unclean lips. Like, I'm not supposed to be here. Like, I'm dirty. <laughs> and it's just like, you're okay, buddy. I think I brought you here, didn't I? Did you get here by yourself? That means you're okay to be here. But that's this mentality of separation we had from the poison of the knowledge of good and evil. These guys, he's saying, he's like, in that day you will know that I'm in the Father and that the Father's actually inside of me, but actually you're inside of me as well. You will know that I'm in the Father, you're in me and I'm in you. In other words, you are included inside of God. You are in the depths of the bosom of God where the Son comes from. You're inside of that. And not this mentality of like, oh, the, when God sees you, He only sees Jesus. Otherwise, He would cast you out. You'd be filth to Him. Um, it's something It's like Jesus has done something. The heart of the Father has done something to bring you in. And now you're irreversibly on the inside. You're on the inside of this. There's no more work or strive to get into the inside. When those tongues of fire, that was the pillar divided in the upper room and went over each individual person that was the sign like yo it's on everybody it's for everybody individually and he's on the inside speaking out of them transforming them from the inside living and it's just like all of religion was broken right there and eventually that whole religious system would be burnt with fire all the way to the ground a true baptism of fire right there um 67 a.d not one stone left upon another, Jesus said it would happen, and it did. You know. Tear the temple down, and three days I'll build it back. It was him. It never was the building. It was always about him. And now he's saying, in that day, when this baptism happens, you'll understand what this religion's about, that you are actually realizing that I'm in my Father, and that you're in me, and I'm inside of you. And you're all the way in. And then from that position, we live our life no longer with a fearful lens of hoping not to get left out. Hoping not to miss the boat. Even a lot of times, and I've been one of these people, but I know people that are um, zealous for the Lord when you're still young. And you're just like, I just want to be found faithful. I want to be found in Him. Like I, want, I don't want to miss what God has for me. But we can have this confidence or faith in missing God because we have faith in ourselves to mess it up more than we can have confidence or faith in God being the good shepherd, knowing our heart. And it's like, I'm not going to let you miss what I have for you. The game is to trust me and not to be led by fear. Because if you're led by fear, you paddle way too fast and you're going to catch white water and it might push you under the water but it definitely won't carry you very far. But if you let me just pull you to where I need you to be and wait until I want to release the thing, you're going to skid down that wave, bro. You know, you know, I don't <laughs> Come on, come on, dude. Um, 
You know what I'm saying? It's just like there, there's something of trusting His timing in everything in our life that causes us to be at rest where we're at in Him. I don't want people to be at rest living in sin. You know what I mean? Living, avoiding doing the thing God has called you to step into. Facing the thing He's called us to face. You know, that's not the, that's not the way. But actually making moves out of fear instead of actually being found in Him and trusting Him to lead us into truth. It's two different, it's, it's night and day, it's two different sides of the tracks. And so often I think it's, it's a, it is a battle of perspective. Once we come into this reality and we realize we've already made it to the finish line. Amen. We've made it into the Holy of Holies, if we can take that Jewish mind. And it's like we've made it into that back room. Not only that, that back room, it's on the inside of us. So it goes with us everywhere we go, which is just, it's blasphemous to a lot of them it would have been. But it's like, hey, he's with you. He's all the way inside of you. Even, even the Gentiles, like, it's like, yeah, there's nothing that's so dirty that he's not, you know, it's like he's inside of us, you know. And it causes us to come under that understanding of, of this prophecy, that I, this word that I feel like I gave last week, but I feel like it's very important for us all to understand that you are here to demonstrate the abundant life of the kingdom of heaven on the earth. Like your calling, your purpose, your destiny is literally meant you are meant to demonstrate the abundant life of the kingdom of heaven on the earth. Like that's what, that's what we are called to do. Amen. That's who we are called to be. Literally, even as the Israelites are traveling across the wilderness with the pillar of fire over them, the cloud by day, that, that changed their climate in the desert, we are called to have a different climate. You know what I'm saying? A different set of uh, our nature to be different that's not affected. Just like David said, by the green grass and the still water or the valley of the shadow of death or the enemies lurking after you while you're eating your, uh, at the buffet. It's like there's this, this, this rest and this peace in God that I realize every time we're forcing and hustling to try to get somewhere, it's so much harder to move that ship than it is when we choose to rest and be mindful of the present and rest in God and know Him. That's actually the engine of the ship that causes it to move. It's different. It's different. We're, we're, we're used to getting out and just paddling that boat as hard as we can in our strength. Ah, you know, I can do it. I can make it happen. When a lot of times getting from point A to point B is more about assessing the reality of what's going on in our own life, in our own spheres, and saying, hey, you've got me here for such a time as this. What can I pour into right here and right now? What is the perspective shift that I need to have in order to see that which is by the Spirit, which will unlock the future, which will unlock the next steps of life. You know? And in doing that, I, that I believe is the key to walking the abundance of heaven. It's actually living present and believing what He's already done. I think that, you know, sometimes, maybe not all the time, <clears throat> but I will say a fallen or a lower perspective of life is when we are surrounded by things, sometimes we're mindful of them, sometimes we're not, but we're surrounded by things that seem like there's a lot of messes and a lot of pressure and stress and those negative things are bigger than what God is actually wanting to do and what He's doing. You know, I think it was um, Beth and Catherine taught this class and they called it cleaning out the garage. It was about getting things done. I forget what it was called, but it was, but they called it cleaning out the garage. And they were saying, sometimes you're walking around, people can be walking around with so many different, with stress in their life and pressure that they're not mindful of. And if you sit down and make a, make a list of like, Hey, is there stuff that's bothering me? Like, Hey, I've got this bill due in this point. Hey, I got this relationship. Hey, I've been putting this off. Hey, I've been, and you clean out your garage and you see these things on your to-do list and on your task and it gives them perspective and you realize, okay, so some of the pressure that I'm feeling that I'm not acknowledging can be easily solved if I just prioritize getting some of this stuff done and, and move in my life. Super practical, right? But sometimes I, I feel like we can have pressures in life or we can even 
feel overwhelmed in life because there's so much stuff that feels overwhelming or stressful or messy in our life. And I love that they sung that song today because I literally, yesterday sitting up here at the church, I literally thought about um, Ezekiel 37. And I was like, yeah, I literally thought, taught through Ezekiel about a year ago. Um, but they were singing um, about the dry bones. And it's this beautiful story of this prophetic man, he was a prophet, whose life had a message. And it's beautiful because every single one of our lives is, is supposed to have this message. And it is supposed to demonstrate the abundance of the kingdom. But each of us, each one of you, has a very distinct message within your DNA that you were called to release in a way that nobody on the earth can, can release. And it points to God, points to Dad. Um, well, we can talk about finding what that is, but uh, in reality, Ezekiel's learning this walk with God, but just like it says in Romans 15 and 1 Corinthians 10, these things that were written were actually written for us to actually see. They were written for us through this gospel lens to see through the new covenant this picture of people that were walking with God and, and the nation and all this stuff looked like. But Ezekiel was this man who was really learning perspective in his life. And he was seeing a lot of things. Ezekiel saw a lot of really dark things and sketchy things, but he also saw some incredibly brilliant things. And Ezekiel, it's funny, it's in, in Ezekiel 8. Ezekiel, the nation of Israel, is going in such a dark path, but they're inviting the influence of so much highly demonic Elohim or like other gods to actually try to steer the nation of Israel into the dirt. And it was going into the dirt. They were coming into captivity because of this. But as Ezekiel gets, in Ezekiel 8, he literally gets grabbed by his dreadlocks or a couple of them and he gets lifted up, in, he says, into the spirit. Uh, he says, between heaven and earth, which is, which is Old Testament language. Like he gets pulled into this place which we term it as the second heaven. I mean, you know, if, if you've, you're kind of familiar with some of the, the way this is described, the Bible, and a lot of people have has de designated the spirit realm as what's known as the second heaven. And because the apostle Paul talks about the third heaven in the book of Corinthians, he talks about being taken into the third heaven 14 years ago in his life or whatever. And so the third heaven being the realm of heaven, the realm of God where all light, no darkness at all, the second heaven or the spirit realm being the spiritual atmosphere outside of the natural world where you can see both light and darkness. There's demonic, there's angelic, you know, the, what Paul calls the, the principalities and powers and the wickedness in the heavenly places or the heavenlies, you know, there's all these terms for the second heaven, the spiritual realm. So before you get freaked out about that, it's all in the Bible. But anyhow, Ezekiel gets pulled up by his dreadlocks into the dang spirit realm or in the second heaven. And when he's there in Ezekiel 8, it's funny, he sees all these different, the, everything from the Baals to the Ashtoreth to the Adonis, you know, he sees all these different deities and, you know, people that were major leaders in, in the temple, people that were leaders of the Sanhedrin or, or in the, um, the priesthood. He says women that were connected to a completely another deity in God that, that were worshiping the sun facing the east. He sees behind the scenes all this demonic influence that is seeking to steer the nation. That people didn't know. They were in partnership with very dark things. And so Ezekiel's having this perspective where it's like, goodness gracious, God's showing him things that are absolutely shocking and, and terrifying and, and, and evil. And he's called to come and speak against it. So good luck with that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so he's, he's interesting. He's learning some things. But then in Ezekiel 37, the song that they sung today, the hand of the Lord, it, it actually comes upon him again in, in a different experience. And he literally brings them up in the spirit of the Lord and sets them down in the, the midst of what they sang about, this valley full of dry bones. And um, there were, it says there were many, many of these dry bones everywhere in an open valley, and they were exceedingly dry. But he says, God asks him the question, what happens in this, this experience in Ezekiel 37, verse 3? And he says, um, Son of man, can these bones live? To which he, he, he really gives a, a wise answer. He's like, well, oh Lord, you know. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, he understood, like, 
the, the common answer for what he was seeing is like, no, they can't live. They're, they're fully dead and they're dry. There's, they, these aren't dead bodies. These are completely rotten, dried out bones. This is, they're, they're all the way gone. And this was literally a prophetic picture of the people of God that he was seeing in this spiritual place of revelation, in this second heaven or spirit realm, however you want to call it. But the Lord says to him something. He says, prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I'll put sinews on you, bring flesh and cover you and put skin and breath within you. So Ezekiel says, so I prophesied as I was commanded and as I prophesied, there was a, a great noise, a rattling of all these bones coming together and all the skin and all the flesh, all this stuff happens in this prophetic experiences that he's having. And he also said to me, prophesy breath, son of man, say to the breath. So once he, he pulls body parts on him and flesh and skin, he's like, now prophesy breath to him that they would breathe, that they would come alive, that they may live. So he did. And so all these dry bones that had come, all these bodies, lifeless bodies, had, then they all came and they lived and they stood up on their feet and they were this exceedingly great army. And he said, this is the, the whole house of Israel. They say that their, their bones are dry and their hope is lost and that they're cut off, but I want you to prophesy something different to them. I'm going to cause you to come up out of your graves. I will put my spirit in you. Ezekiel 37, 14, you shall live. I'll place you in your own land. That's back home. Yeah. Remember, this is not just Israel. This is for us, right? And also, if you've been here for a while, if you haven't, there's a lot, lot of uh, episodes or sermons you can listen to, but it's like we rip through the Old Testament concerning the New Testament. It is chocked full of it. It is so thick full of it. This is just one, one example that I don't want to overteach because I'll be too long, but um, I'll put my spirit, you shall live. I'm going to place you in your own land and you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. And so here's this beautiful picture of perspective that this man is learning to live by the Spirit. He's having spiritual experiences, getting pulled up, you know, and seeing the things that are steering, seeing wild and maybe even wickedness behind the scenes that he's caused, called to confront. But then he's also seeing scenes spiritually that are incredibly hopeless spiritually. But is there any hope for these people? Can they actually live? Well, if you're asking me professionally, it's, it's, the answer is definitely no. It's, but I, I, I know better. That's Ezekiel's maybe thought process. It's like, oh, you know if they can. Nothing's impossible for you. All right, well, here's your directions. Sometimes, when we, sometimes we know what we don't really know. We think we know things and we don't really know them. And I think that question right there, Ezekiel, can these bones live? That's a perfect example. Like, hey, now that you've seen this with your gift, do you already know that that's the state and you want to go ahead and just move on? Absolutely not. You're allowing me to see it. And everything is hopeful for you. Goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life. And if you have that for me, you have that for them. So I know that you have a perspective of this. What's the lesson? What you, what's, what's our play in this? Life to them. Speak to the joints, the connections, the muscles, the strength, the skin, the sinews. I don't know what a sinew is, man, to be honest, but it's in there. So speak to them sinews. Get them sinews firing over there, you know. Got it. You got it. Sinews work. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? Now what do you see? Yeah, now, 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 now cause breath to come into them. Prophesy that it would come into them. Yeah, I'm bringing you home. I'm bringing you people home. The new covenant hits the spirit of fire. This, this, the pillar of fire divides the tongues, the people. Jesus' words are ringing into his disciples' ears. They didn't know, man. They didn't know for a long time. They're putting these together. What an incredible puzzle to put together. All the things that he told me. All the things that he showed us. All the demonstrations. It wasn't just a demonstration. He let me come walk on water for a second there. Everything he showed us he was showing us to provoke us to actually do the same things and even greater by His Spirit. What does this mean? At that day, you will know that I'm in my Father and that you're in me, that I'm in you. You're home, boy. You're home, girl. I brought you in. You're all the way in. 
Now you're not living your life looking how, how, can I, how can I get in? How can I get where I'm supposed to be? It's like, hey, you're already in where you're supposed to be. You're already into the actual, you've hit the ab absolute jackpot lottery. Now live your life through that authority. And let the perspective of heaven, the perspective of God, that instead of seeing dry bones and death, see something completely different. Yeah. You know, we can come to places in our life where we, we've built assessments of where all the messes are and they're stressing us out. And we're just going to try to attack them one by one by one. But in reality, if those things eclipse what God is actually doing, then we're believing a lie. And it comes back to these questions, which I've heard they're actually on our website, tylerhoff.com. I highly recommend it, of, of taking, especially in the summertime when so many people kind of check out spiritually, it's, it's a beautiful thing to do to understand that the shepherd's always leading us for advancement. But taking inventory of life and saying, hey, do I have some perspectives of negativity or fear that are steering my life and that have become bigger than what God's doing? And then, and then learn how to flip the script on it, just like Ezekiel was learning to flip what he saw from a place of authority. And it's like, oh, so when I look at these two or three different pressures or trials, instead of this one, which is, which is worrying about such a thing, it's like, hey, well, what are you teaching me in that trial? And not only do I have hope for what God is doing, then the things that I'm, that I'm concerned with in life that have become pressures on me and an anxiety that I'm not being led in truth and in peace, I'm thankful for those opportunities. I mean, oh, in this one, you're teaching me how to sink my roots deeper into the Word of God to understanding this covenant is real and you're causing it to become more real in my life than it ever was. Yeah. It's like, oh, in, in this diagnosis over here, you're stepping my faith up to another place to where my faith is so unshakable. It's being tested there but you're growing it so that I walk in authority to flip that on its head and it's going to affect a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? Oh, in this place where I've always been fear, fearful uh, financially or with pressures and, and hoarding and worried about this outcome, you're actually leading me into a different place. You're causing me to... I'm breaking a cycle that's been in my family for, for four generations. And I'm not going to go on, you know, Susie Orman or, you know, Mark Cuban whatever they're saying about the economy, I'm going to be led of what you're saying yes. because I live in a different economy. Yes. And you're building this confidence within me. Yes. You know, and it's, it's literally taking inventory of the places that we're at in the here and now. And it's like, hey, wait a second. There's a pile of dry bones over there and a pile over there. There's a messy pile over there. It's just like, well, what's happening in all those? You know, I think so often we get into a place of anxieties and pressures. And it's like we're taking our authority, the ring of authority that God's given us, and we're just like dropping it on the ground like, ah, you know what I mean? It's just like pick your authority up in the Lord and speak the life which comes from perspective of those situations and walk those things out. Because in reality, everything that's going on in the simulation, in this world, in this plastic place that we live in, is literally meant... But the Spirit has been given us to lead us into all truth. He is here to father us into maturity. And it's not just so that we have our needs met and we finally feel good about ourselves. It is so that that very word that we are called to demonstrate this reality of the abundant life of the kingdom. Like we're called to live that abundance and that life and unlock people and unlock the world. Romans 8 says all of creation itself is groaning and logging. That it's under that lock, that it's under, under that, that cap of Isaiah 25, calls it like a cap over the world. It's like it's literally under that, and it's longing for the sons of God to be revealed, to manifest themselves. And it's like, wow, that's a different concept. It's like, yeah, everything is waiting for us. Everything is longing for that release. But somebody has to lead out in it. And a lot of the leading out is perspective. It's Jesus talking about to Nicodemus. The Spirit goes. Those who are led by the Spirit, they're, they're led in a different way that is not predictable. 
That's Cliff Notes of what he told Nicodemus, right? John 3. It's like they are led in a way that is, that is maybe it's a little, little different, but it works. And that's the evidence. It's like, I've brought you all home. You guys are all in and I'm inside of you. So tap into the source, this reality. It's not about needs met. It's about the rivers of life flowing from you and attracting other people to him. You know, I just close with that. I think the questions are valuable. They've been valuable for even, you know, for me, um, even with perspective. So I would highly encourage that. I won't read through those again. But just that understanding that it is truth. Like Jesus said, I, I, I came that you would have life and I came that you would have abundant life. Yeah. I came that you would have life and not just a little bit. You know what I mean? This ain't, you know, you go to those fine restaurants and you get that little, little corner of a little sliver of a couple little. He's like, I came to give you that gourmet type of food at the Golden Corral style limit. <laughs> Maybe that didn't work, but just tell where my mind's at. Sorry. No, it's on the word. All right. You are here to demonstrate the abundant life of the kingdom of God. That's reality. A life that's not under bondage. We talked about this when we took communion a few weeks ago. Like, it's just like the whole world is scuba diving. Everybody in the whole world is scuba diving. And those, you remember those old scuba diving? They, they have like almost like a fishbowl on top of their head, like those type of glass helmets and have a tube that was going up to the boat. They'd have those metal, that mithril-looking suit to keep them weighed down so they could walk on the ground. You know what I'm saying? In the olden days, right? You know, It's like the whole world's connected to something to give them life. To get, you know, maybe there's, you walk around the world, everybody's got them. You know, some of them tubes might be straight up to the pharmacy. To, to their stress pills and their, their anxiety medication and then, then their... Or their Bud, their Budweiser, or their Bud Light, or if they're, they're, maybe they're petitioning Bud Light, so maybe it's to the Michelob Light. Maybe that's one of those tubes coming from those boats because they don't mess with that little guy, that little Dylan guy, you know, uh, you know. But uh, you know, so that you know, there's tubes all around, and we're literally called to walk around here free with no helmet on, to where people are looking at us. Where, oh, oh, sorry, you Where's the tube it's like, how are you living like that? What is this hope you have? What is this source? Like, I don't have, I'm not hooked into all these things you're hooked into. I'm not addicted to all these things in order to give myself life and to medicate myself and to, and to be okay. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're called to demonstrate the abundant life of what a real human, the new creation is supposed to look like. And people are supposed to like, so we can do that? Like, yeah, we can, we can do it. We can actually live this way. You know what I mean? Fear is not the way to live. It's different. That analogy went, went way better a couple weeks back. <laughs> Taking my word for it. But yeah, I think you get what I'm saying. We're called to demonstrate a life that's not under bondage. Yeah. We're not getting our life supply from the systems of this world. You know. And the very gates of hell, this mentality, like they won't prevail. It's like, hey, they will not be able to hold on as long as we will. So it's like, stay in the fight of faith and belief. Yeah, they put some cement, they put some concrete in the, in, the, in the footers of those gates, but I'm telling you, they won't stand. They don't stand. They might seem like they do, but they will not stand. The Word of God will stand. Every, every test we're in is literally meant to establish us in His Word, which is, the real, which is true reality. And even if it looks like they're winning, it's like, it's like, don't, don't give in to that facade. Like, continue to stand on the reality of the truth, man. It won't be able to hold on. It's a poker face, you know. And you're here to demonstrate that life. And, and the reality is, just like Ezekiel in so many different ways, but in such a better way, you are a messenger of heaven. You are a messenger of your Father. You were created in His image, both male and female. He created them like you are in his image and you are a messenger so i think that's a another brilliant message a, a brilliant question right there is what is your message what is my message what is my message what is my life communicating i feel that sticking what is my life communicating you know it's not 
I wear a mask in order to be accepted and to appear that I'm, you know, cool or successful or accepted or not jaded or da -da 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 -da, you know what I mean? Whatever it is, not rejected. And it's like all those things in the Lord, your true identity. What is your message? Find that, know that, know Him, manifest Him. The gates of hell will never be able to hold on. You are a message. Everyone is. Your life is this reality. My message. God talks. Yeah. God is real, man. And He talks. By the way, God is good. And He's not bipolar. And I can prove it with the, with the greatest theologians. Or the most simple. Because I believe it in my whole heart. And I've studied it out. Yeah. God loves you and He wants to father you into this, in this life. He wants to father you in every sphere of your life. He wants to bless you so much that you're a living ambassador of His abundant goodness. That's His plans and purpose for you. That's my message. Those things. You know, but what's yours? Might be very similar. And then we realize, am, am I living that? Am I embodying that? Not just saying it, but am I living it? Am I demonstrating that reality? Because we're called to. So Lord, we thank you for this day. I thank you for your word, which is truth. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for the Holy Spirit and this, this reality that you've, you've rested upon us. You've made your home upon us. And our home is in you. We are in you and you are, Jesus, you are in the Father and we are inside of you. And also you are inside of us. We are inside the family that is God. And so we pray, even right now, if you want to pray this, Holy Spirit, I, I welcome you to fully consume my life and come inside of me and that I would be baptized in you. Would you baptize me in your very being. I believe. I ask you to lead me into all truth. I ask that you would open my mind just as you open the disciples' mind, Jesus, to, to comprehend, to understand the scriptures. That the giftings that you intended for me before the foundations of the world, that you would stir those things up. That all the reality of this true new covenant Christianity that I would step into it and I would be a demonstrator of being of this in of being in in this abundant life of sons and daughters and that I would know the message that you've put into me to portray and maybe it's a message for the season maybe it's for my entire life but I would know the message I'm called to portray and that I would portray it everywhere and in every way of my life 